Harp on Sports with Seth Harp. You know what time it is. Three, two, one. Let's do this. Go, bartenders. Go, food needs refill. Harp on Sports, the bar, podcast, media, audio, radio, network. Follow, share, like, subscribe. At Harp on Sports Twitter, at Harp on Sports Instagram, Harp on Sports, the Facebook page, Harp on Sports YouTube channel, HarpOnSports.com. You can check out all of our podcasts, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and Apple Podcasts. What do we have in store for you today? The junk that is the Jaguars franchise. And is there a light at the end of the tunnel? Yeah. Is it a train? No, it's actually a little bit of light. But when it comes to this, talk about blowing something up. So we're going to look at what the Jaguars' future holds and how they can actually become where the Bengals were two years ago to get where they are today. There's there's a way out of this for the Jaguars. There is. So we're going to look at that. They just got ruled by the Texans. Ugly, ugly, ugly stuff. Uh, also, we've got three games to go. And looking at the NFL matchups, what we would have in the postseason today, you got the NFC's loaded. The AFC's kind of lame. But the NFC's loaded. Which begs the question when it gets right down to it. what What's the best matchup from what we've seen so far? The Chiefs have flipped the switch. The Patriots are the two seed right now in the AFC. In the NFC, what do you have? Hey, you have a new number one. Packers are the number one seed. Who's the two seed right now in the NFC? The Bucks, the three seed, the Cowboys. The NFC's just loaded. And we're going to look at that and how that affects the MVP race as well. And also, to me, it grabs my attention. And it's one of the few times it does grab my attention. And that's when the Paul brothers are boxing. It does. And I hear they need to fight real boxers. They need to fight real boxers. Why? So one of the top interesting things that they have in that sport, they can get beat right away and it goes away. So we'll circle back around to that as well. All right, let's start off with this. The Jaguars, that's just awful. It's bad. It's junkyard. So much so that I know they can keep a lot of guys if they want to. Why? Whatever you're doing is not working. And I said time and time again, if I were the Jaguars, my guy would be Josh McDaniels. He would be my guy. I look at the job that he's done with Mac Jones. And I can have Trevor Lawrence learn under Josh McDaniels. That's what I would do. Byron Leftwich has done a nice job in Tampa, but he's got Tom Brady. He has Rob Gronkowski, right? Loaded. He's got Mike Evans. He's got studs. got Hall of Famers all over the place. I've seen time and time again, even though he had Brady, but I have now seen, and you know I'm right. You know I'm right. I've seen Josh McDaniels make Jimmy Garoppolo good. I've seen him, you know, continue Tom Brady's greatness. And now I've seen him make Mac Jones and the Patriots a two-seed, even though they just lost to the Colts. So if I am the Jags, to, to me, that's the guy. It's Josh McDaniels coming from a Patriots background. He was a head coach a decade ago. It didn't really work out in Denver. It didn't. Although he put some nice pieces together, didn't he, with Johnny Elway out there? Some nice pieces. Didn't work out. Jake Plummer didn't work out. The Tebow stuff happened. Eek. Yeah, it didn't work out. It didn't. But Josh McDaniels did a nice job at least starting to put that franchise together. It's been 10 years. He's learned. I, I think he's grown when I do. Would he want it? Don't know. Don't know. But that should be the guy. Well, I start to think of it from this standpoint, if you're the Jaguars. Jaguars now the number one overall pick, which I went back and through and <laughs> looked in the last 50 years. Two other franchises have had back-to-back number one overall picks. The Browns have done it twice on two different occasions. The Browns did it about, what, four years ago, five years ago they did it. They went back-to-back. Uh, the Miles Garrett, was that Miles Garrett followed by Maker, Baker Mayfield? So when they went back to back, so the Browns did it back to back. The Browns did it back way late in the late 90s and early 2000, late 90s when they did Courtney Brown and Tim Couch. So the Browns have done it twice. Then you go back in the 80s and the Bucks did it, believe it or not, with Bo Jackson. Remember, he went and played baseball first and then Vinny Testaverde. So 
You know, it has happened in the and the Colts did it as well. Sorry, the Colts. No, the Colts did it twice in three years. They had a gap year in there in between Jeff Jordan and Steve Edmond. So <laughs> I, I start to look at this from the Jaguars' perspective. And to me, there, there's two guys that are, are locks. I know there's guys going to be coming back and you have them under rookie deals. To me, Josh Allen, Trevor Lawrence, everything else, and Ivadeche. I'm not married to anybody. I'm not. Why would you be? Now, they've got free agents, and I know they've got money, and I know they've got contracts. That offensive line's terrible. It's just a mess. And, oh, he's very consistent. He's a staple. Get rid of all these staples. It's just, na- why, why would you do it? It's a rotten section of wood in your house. Cut it out. Cut the whole section out. Whatever you're doing is not working. Need to reinvent the wheel. Boy, no reason to reinvent the wheel. You need to reinvent the wheel in Jacksonville. You just do. You just do. And, you know, I went through and looked. The Browns went 1-31 and over a two-year stretch when they had back-to-back first picks, number one overall picks. The Jags are 3-27. and Is it 3-27? Am I right? 3-27 and their last 30 games. 3-27. and That's the last two seasons. I didn't go back to the year before. They are losing down the stretch. So it's 5-35, and something like that. But 3-27. and And just atrocious. And the best thing for the Jags now is to lose out. It is the best thing for them to lose out because... With the number one overall pick, and this is how this is how quickly their fates can change. They can be like the Bengals were two years ago. They get Joe Burrow. All right, they survive a season. They they make some smart moves at the top of their draft class. They sign some free agents, and look look how quickly it's changed for the Bengals. But you got to get an offensive minded guy in there, and they do have an offensive minded guy, right? Zach Taylor. They do have an offensive minded guy. So that's why, and I think they're going to go offense. You have to go offense with Trevor Lawrence. But I was looking at this, and I was thinking, okay. The number one priority for the Jags needs to be what? Protection. It needs to be protection. It needs to be a foundation. I don't care. Well, they need somebody for him to throw the ball to. No, they don't. They need, you know, look, you can have adequate wide receivers and adequate running backs and adequate speed and be competitive. You can. You have a bunch of weapons. Your offensive line can't block, can't do much without a quarterback. So, again, if I am the Jaguars, whatever they decide, you got to go offense. At least the offensive-minded mentality. And then with the first overall pick, you're going to draft a defensive guy, which is fine because that's where the talent is at the top of this draft class. Thibodeau or Hutchinson, both studs, yes. Jags are going to be number one overall. It's too bad that there aren't three or four good quarterbacks at the top of this year's draft. You know, last year we had, what, three quarterbacks in the top 10, at least quality standard-wise. It's too bad that this draft didn't feature the same. Because at that point, you're the Jags and you're number one. You could hold a King's Ransom and you could really fix this in a hurry. You could, but it's not. So what are you going to do? Well, nobody's going to be coming up there. They're just not. So the Jags find themselves in one of those drafts where the stud at the top is a defensive guy. We saw it with the Browns when Miles Garrett was up there. Seemed to work out right. Now, is Thibodeau Miles Garrett? Don't know. Hutchinson, is he Miles Garrett? Don't know. But everybody loves him. And you could fix this in a hurry. And in a hurry, you could fix it within two years. It's a mess. But you can fix it within two years. Let's say you already have Josh Allen up front, right? Let's say you add, just for argument's sake, let's say you add Thibodeau. All right, now I got two studs. I got and I got two bookends, and I can, I can come get you. Because in free agency, I don't want to wait for offensive linemen to develop. I need to protect Trevor Lawrence now. So the Jags, plan of attack, number one, should be Josh McDaniels. Then what do you do? Let's say you draft Thibodeau, which is fine. You're going to have the first pick in the second round or the second pick in the second round as well. So what do you do at that point? If I am, at least where I'm sitting mentality-wise, if I am the Jags, I draft the best offensive lineman available there in the early stages of the second round. 
because the Jags need to sign two offensive linemen in free agency. I don't care if they have to pay him $15, $16 million each, $18, $20 million each. Who cares? You have to protect. If he's a generational quarterback, you can't be drafting an offensive lineman in the third round and hoping they develop to protect him. You can't. You need to go sign two offensive linemen, two, two starters, two. You got Jawan Taylor for one more year at right tackle. He's not working out. It's, but at least you have something. One more year at right tackle with him. Linder, adios. All those, all of them gone. Norwell, gone. All of them gone. Cam Robinson, all of them gone. You go out and you spend money. You spend $20 million a year on a left tackle. You go out and spend $15 million a year on a guard. You draft an offensive lineman with the first pick in the second round or whatever it is. Okay, now I've got I've, I've got some veteran protection and some other free agents you can bring in as well. Now I've got some protection for Trevor Lawrence. Veteran protection. Protection that's been there. Protection that's done that. And again, with my first overall pick, what did I use? I used it on Hutchinson or I used it on Thibodeau. Now I've got a pass rush up front. I can get pressure on the quarterback. All of a sudden, it's going to make my linebackers and safety a heck of a lot. and a heck of a lot more comfortable. What about receivers and running backs? I'll worry about that later. Protection. You look at teams that, that, that fix things in a hurry. They fix it up front. Defensive line. Offensive line. Fix it up front. It's what you do. It's how you get successful. So you've become and maintain your success. And again, I keep saying this. And I look around and Joe Burrows had his injury problems. Baker Mayfield's had some injury problems. Why? These guys were number one overall picks. They were at the top of their draft class. Kyler Murray, a little bit different because of his scramble ability. But I look at these guys that are top of their draft class. They never really address the offensive line. Here's a franchise. Here's a chance to come in and show you the model of how you do this. Look, our quarterback about died this year. I'm getting lit up. It's amazing Trevor Lawrence is going to survive the season. Knock on wood, right? So what are we going to do? We're not going to mess around. We're going to sign two offensive linemen. Number one overall pick, we're going to draft Thibodeau or Hutchinson. Now we got Hutchinson, Thibodeau, or whoever it is, along with Josh Allen. And we got two offensive linemen up front. Use the first pick in the second round. Another offensive lineman. Now we're ready to go. Now we're ready to go. We're going to protect him, and that's fine. I don't care if we and you got running backs with Robinson, and you still have, um, come on, Etienne coming back. It's not as bad as it appears in Jacksonville, at least for the Jaguars. It, but it's a junkyard. Just get rid of all this. Get rid of this nonsense. These guys have been here five or six years. Get, get, get. What are you doing? Uh, Miles Jackson, nice guy. I like, we're going to get, trade him. Get, clear this out. Clear this out. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to get rid of stuff. Start selling stuff. Have a garage sale. Start selling stuff. Who cares if you don't get value in return? Get the money off the books. Ask yourself this. Would you rather have two stud offensive linemen that you sign or Miles Jacket linebacker and... $15 million safety. You got to protect your guy, protect your investment. So I was looking at the Jaguars. That's what I would do. The plan needs to be protect, <laughs> get offensive coaches, and then you <laughs> sign two offensive linemen. You could sign a defensive lineman and draft a defense. There's so much you can do there. And now you got to go back and undo some of the Urban Meyer work because let's face it, CJ Henderson went because Urban Meyer wanted him to go. There were some changes that took place because Urban Meyer wanted these changes. Now, do they regret these changes? Do they need to go back with these changes? Don't know. But you see that it needs an enema. It needs a flush, a complete flush. It always is longing for the past. Come on back, Tom Coughlin. It's long for the past. It's, and it's, let's face it, it's not that great of a past. It was a fleeting past. Always longing for the past. Get rid of that. Byron Leftwich used to play here. Yeah, and he didn't win ever. He had good running backs. And he still didn't win. David Garrard's the one that won you postseason games. So come on. Eh. No, Josh McDaniels. Smart move. Okay, from that to this, the NFL as a whole right now 
it's weird because normally at this point we've got we'll have football games on Christmas right around there, right? And we'll have football games on New Year's. But it's different this year because there's another week after that. It's just different. It feels different. It's like, okay, 10 and 4. His teams are 10 and 4. We got two games. Oh, that's right. We got three games to go. Okay, three games to go. And that helps certain teams and that burns other teams. What's amazing at one point, weren't the Chiefs three and four? One seven in a row. They're 10 and four. They're the one seed now. And not only are the one seed, depending on what happens next week, they can clinch. The Chiefs can clinch home field next week with a couple of things going their way. Think about that. Think about that insanity. The Chiefs can clinch home field next week if a couple of things go their way. That's remarkable from where they were. So I was looking at the playoff picture as we head down the stretch here. And with the Buccaneers where they are, the NFC is so much better than the AFC optically. Because right now, the number one seed in the NFC is the Packers. Okay, and that division's bad. They're going to mow through that. Packers are the one. The Bucks are the two. The Cowboys are the three. Boy, that's pretty impressive, right? The Cardinals are the four. So if your postseason started, with you got three weeks to go, you know, you'd have your play, you know, both one seeds would be off. But the two threes and fours that would host in the NFC would be the Bucks would be hosting, the boys would be hosting, and the Cardinals would be hosting. Now there's ways that upsets can work their way out, but let's say it just goes chalk. I mean, the, a Cowboys-Buccaneers second-round matchup in Tampa, that's pretty salty, isn't it? That's good stuff. Dallas and at Tampa. And then, look, whether it's Arizona, whether it's the Rams, whomever it may be down there traveling to Green Bay, it's okay. The NFC's fun that way. And I'm going to get the MVP candidates out of that here in a second. The AFC, the Chiefs are the one seed. The Patriots are the two seed. Other than that, you start to yawn a little bit. You do. What are the Colts the three? Bengals are the four? Is that what we have here? No, I take that back. Bengals are the four. The Titans are the three. I think it's just a matter of time before the Colts take over that division. I do. I think the Colts are going to end up winning that division. But let's just say this stays chalk right now. The Bengals go to the Chiefs and the Titans go to the Patriots. We're on a collision course, aren't we, with the Patriots and the Chiefs here? It just feels like we are. Now, I know the Colts won the other night, but if the Colts play again, here we go <laughs> with the with the Patriots again. But the Chiefs are looking around right now going, wait a second, we're going to be the one seed and we're probably going to get to play the Bengals or what? The Chargers, somebody like that's going to come into our place. It, come on. Kansas City is going to be tough out at home. They're going to be tough out at home. The one team that I think that would have a shot at them is the Colts because the Colts are on the ball. And what do you know? There you go. Speaking of the Colts, I really believe with three games to go, I've I've written this down. I think you have four, maybe five MVP candidates, which, you know, it's kind of like the Heisman Trophy with three, four weeks to go. We really didn't know. And everything, oh, Heisman Trophy race is boring this year. No, we just don't know who it is. The MVP race is sort of crystallizing, sort of. But right now, I still think Brady's your favorite. With Aaron Rodgers right there, but the guy that's coming on like gangbusters is Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is going to end up with close to, what, 40 touchdown passes? He's going to have close to 5,000 yards passing. That's, you know, Patrick Mahomes threw, what, eight interceptions the first six weeks of the year. He's thrown two cents. And what both were the, both those tipped? One just happened last weekend, or last Thursday. So I, I look at those three guys being there or at the top. I still think Brady and Rodgers, look, unless Tom Brady just completely falls apart, he's probably going to win it. But here comes Patrick Mahomes, and if they finish 13-4 and four and win 10 games in a row down the stretch, and that dude's got 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, 
most valuable player. Look what he did. The thing is, what was wrong with Patrick Mahomes? What was wrong? What was wrong? He figured it out. And what was wrong was he's trying to do too much. Started running the ball more. The defense started to play better. He didn't have to press as much. And when he didn't have to press as much, watch out. So right now, I I think it's Brady, then Rodgers, then Mahomes. And and then, I mean, I like Jonathan Taylor. I, I do. I like what he's done in Indianapolis. He's got, what, close to 1,600 yards and 17 touchdowns with three games. It's going to be tough, but he can get to 2,000 yards. You bet. He could Look, if the Colts win that division and, and Taylor gets 2,000 yards rushing and 20-plus touchdowns, most valuable player, valuable, right? And look, Brady's it right now, and I, I really think if it's not Brady, people are going to look at Rodgers, although Rodgers' Rogers success is not his yardage, but it's touchdown-to-interception ratio. But are people going to be hesitant to vote for him? Then all of a sudden, here comes Mahomes. When I think it's all said and done, it's going to come down to Brady and Mahomes. Those are the four guys. I was trying to find a fifth guy in there, but too much has fallen apart, and nobody really stands out at this point to be that fifth guy. So those are the guys right now in MVP race. But the NFL... The NFC is so loaded. In the NFC, like I said, you could have a situation where in week two of the postseason, the Cardinals are going to Green Bay, and the other NFC matchup is the Bucks hosting the Cowboys. And if chalk lines up in the AFC, it's the Bengals at the Chiefs and the Titans at the Patriots. The NFC is just different. The NFC just feels different. One to wrap with this. I'm looking at Saturday night, and, you know, Jake Paul... So Tyron Woodley and, you know, people are getting mad because Jake Paul, you know, he knocked him out, but he still hasn't fought a real boxer. He keeps calling out all these MMA guys and, and he's not fighting a real boxer. Jake Paul's Rocky three, you know, the beginning montage of Rocky three, where he wins like seven or eight fights and they're not club or lying, but they're fights that he can win. Why? Cause he's building a reputation. He's building money. He's becoming a draw. Find me somebody in boxing right now. It's a bigger draw than one of the Pauls. Who? 44-year-old Floyd Mayweather Jr.? Who's a bigger draw in boxing right now? Tyson Fury? And I keep saying this, Paul needs to fight a real fighter. Paul needs to fight a real fighter. Why? Why? What do you mean a real fighter? Like a boxer? Boxing is building back momentum. Boxing is building back some interest with the Pauls. Like them, love them, hate them, at least they're interesting. Was it a great fight? No, but at least they're interesting. There were years that would go by. It's like, oh, Pacquiao's fighting him again, or, oh, Canelo Alvarez again. Great, it's a great fight, but come on. The fact is, in America, we love heavyweights. Middleweights, lowerweights, yeah, there was a time. You're right. There was a time. Sugar Ray Leonard, it was great. And what was it? Sweet Pea, Prunell Whitaker, that, 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 you know, Oscar De La Hoya, that stuff was fun. There was a time. Yep. And Tyson and Holyfield and Riddick Bow. And then you go back even farther to the Ali, Norton, you know, Foreman days. Those things were fun, but it's not, that's not where it is now. And, you know, boxing obviously has the interest of professional athletes. I mean, Darren Williams fought Frank Gore. So you have professional athletes that are interested. They're paying attention. They're observing it. They're consuming it. They're doing it. They're fighting afterwards. What you need now is a six foot four, 225 pound guy that decides, you know what? I'm not going to be a linebacker. I am going to be a boxer. It's what you need. Think about, think about a guy like Miles, Miles Garrett. If Miles Garrett decided, you know what? I'm not going to be a defensive end. I'm going to be a boxer. That, that's what the sport needs. The sport needs a heavyweight, heavyweight wrecking machine. It's what it needs. But 
this whole thing about, you know, Jake Paul needs to fight a real boxer. Why? So he can go get knocked out in the fourth round, go fight what? The third or fourth contender? You can't even tell me who the top four contenders are in his weight class. Can anybody even tell me the champion in his weight class is? Why? So he can get waxed and you can go, he needs to fight a real contender. And then he gets wiped off the planet and it's like, okay, we're good. See, not any good. Okay, you're gonna, who are going to watch this week? At least it's interesting. Remember, boxing's an event. It's an event. At least they make it interesting. Now, is he going to eventually bite off more than he can chew? He's 24 years old, 25 years old. He fights two fights a year, three or four years. He's going to make $200 million building up his purses here. Smart business. Calling out a bunch of guys, smart business. So he fights the third contender and the, well, whatever. Put enough money in front of him. He seems to be doing things. At least he's interesting. But this whole thing, it's like, oh, this is, how's this bad for boxing? This is interesting. And I like the undercards or, you know, perform, former athletes. And the more former athletes to do this, it, somebody's going to come along again. Some six foot, six foot four, 225 pounder is going to look, you know, football, I can, I can actually, I can be a run of the mill linebacker. I, or I can go make some big bucks. I'm going to go fight. That's what you need. That's what you need. But at least Jake Paul's treading water here. And again, I like Tyson coming back, but boxing, it's always the past. Always the past. Looking always to the past. Which I get. There's some nostalgia to it. But that's that's the way the sport can fix itself if somebody like that plays. But six foot four, 225 pound guys are deciding I can make more money in the NFL than I can make fighting. Like if Cassius Clay were growing up in Louisville today, he'd be what? Power forward? Wouldn't be a boxer. So good for the Pauls. Needs to fight a real boxer. Why? So the sport can disappear? The Pauls may save it. Harbon Sports. Look, he's fighting fighters. He's knocking them out. He's fighting great fighters. No, Jake Paul's Rocky Balboa and Rocky Three. At least the first 10 minutes. Harbon Sports, the bar, podcast, audio, media, radio network. Follow, share, like, subscribe at Harbon Sports on all of your platforms Twitter, <laughs> Instagram. Harp on Sports, the Facebook page, Harp on Sports, the YouTube channel, Spotify, Buzzsprout, Apple Podcasts, and of course, uh, HarpOnSports.com. Check it out. And remember, stay clean, stay focused, stay strong. Frankenstein. Have fun with your friends.